0: My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener... The Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is... Slam Home.
1: Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning.
2: My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment
1: never I am...
3: As fireflies the
0: this week's Kezu Slam Slamcast was recorded on September 18th of 2001. It was our first post-9-11 show, which I, I don't know if that requires a trigger warning after 20 plus years, but it, it was a little bit strange listening to it for me. But, but it's always a little bit strange for me uh, listening to stuff that I did, that my friends did a lifetime ago. Listening to me do a brand new poem that isn't quite flushed out yet always brings a little anxiety. Listening to friends of mine who aren't around anymore, it's always a little bit weird. And this recording, it was a little bit strange to revisit. I didn't remember where it took place in the timeline. All I remembered about it was one of my very, very favorite slam poets. One of my, I gotta say, one of my personal top five slam poets. Mr. Jim Dwyer from Dayton, Ohio is the feature for this show. I, I fucking love this guy. Uh, I covered three, maybe four of his poems on a fairly regular basis When whenever I got sick of doing my shit, which was quite often. So this is one of my favorite recordings. And I'm a little pissed that, as with many, many of the recordings that I've found in the archives, uh, we ran out of time. And by time, I mean space on the CD while we were recording. So I we got about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so of Jim's set uh I know, it was approaching the end and it just kind of trails off apologies for that when you're recording shit onto physical media there's only there's only so much space on the tape on the disc but we got most of it and it's fucking great
1: I'll come back and visit so this has been home for two years i gotta come back
4: we have a very good feature tonight.
1: Oh yeah, we do. Jim we, Dwyer, the foot stomping fool himself from Dayton, Ohio. He Woo! rocks! This man was one of the one of the ones representing for the Midwest at nationals. He is one of the top ten individual poets at nationals this year. That deserves some clapping. I just have a full hands here, so. <laughs> what else do we have tonight, Todd? Um
4: We have a cover slam, and it's boys versus girls.
1: Yeah, the girls' team is already full because, you know, the chicks rock. I need but, two boys. But Todd's still scrounging for some boys. Don
4: Don Saylor has offered to join the boys' team if we can't find two She's more got boys. I do. balls
1: for it. I, do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't.
4: So come up and see me if you want to join the boys' yep. team.
1: And and we've got open mic galore. We've still got some spots in the open mic. And, you know, I'm kind of figuring that we're just going to probably all be in the mood for a nice, mellow night. Um couple things to mention. There's beer and lots of it. Drink beer. Drink, drink, drink. I'm going to be drinking a lot up here. Um, And uh, also the the $3 that that you gave to Todd on the way in the door. Um, For the whole month, all our proceeds are not going to get Poets to Nationals next year. They're going to New York um, to help with the... Yeah.
4: Thanks, Tracy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... And thank you. If anybody's got more than just three bucks they want to throw in, it will get to the people who need it. And um, I'm, I'm going to get the show started with I'll be a back. poem. <laughs> I'll be back. i like this. Uh, this sucks that this is the only time we're going to get to do this. I kind of like this co-hosting thing. Um, this is a poem by uh, a gentleman by the name of Tony Brown from Wooster, Wooster, however you're supposed to pronounce it. Wooster. There we go. I knew somebody could pronounce it correctly. Um, Tony. Uh, Lost seven co-workers last Tuesday. Um, they were on board one of the flights from Boston, and um, we've been all kind of keeping up with them on the the Poetry Slam listserv. And uh, this is a poem of his. I, I reread it a couple of days ago, and and he wrote this years ago, um, but it really really spoke to me. And so, um, in honor of of Tony and his co-workers and all the people who've had some losses, and and what we as poets and artists can Kind of do in the wake of all this mess. Um, this is how I wanted to start the night. It's a poem called Political Art. A print of Guernica hangs on the foyer wall above the drink table. Here are the famous horse and the upraised human face. They're screaming as the hors d'oeuvres are passed. And on the facing wall behind the buffet hang two photographs carefully chosen for tonight. In this one, is a girl we have seen before, running and burning on a road in Vietnam years and years ago. Back then, she was trying to fly to safety solely by the innocent strength rising along her fiery arms. In this one is a man we've also seen before, and despite his death in 1890, he also keeps trying, but he's frozen awkward and insolent in his attempt to rise from the snow at Wounded Knee. We are making small talk tonight clicking our tongues at these pictures, making crestfallen small talk because we know we should, handing over money to save Afghani statues from the guns of starving rapists, handing over fistfuls of green guilt for the anesthetic of aesthetics, buying permission to posture unflinching before those who have fallen, permission to shelter in these picturesque memorials in the hope of receiving from them some kind of prophylactic grace. As we stare at the burning girl, As we sadly regret wounded knee and genocide, as we admire the abstraction of that burning Spanish town, we will click our tongues while marking the skill of the artist, remarking on the stark angles of black and white, noting how the whole is so shot through and through with an undertone of subconscious red. It's from this that we've learned how to watch the news that gives us each day our daily dead. A new crop of victims to be cropped and photoshopped, and we know just what to do when we see the faces. We observe, we regret, we remark, we move on. Tonight there's a gallery fundraiser. Tomorrow there will be another. We'll see the burning girl and the rising corpse again and we'll make another print of Guernica. Why do we need all these prints of Guernica? Someday we'll see that if we had been changed by all this art at the first hint of genocide, we would smash our cameras, hang our paintbrushes back on the wall, stick our checkbooks back in our pockets, lift the paintings from their frames, and carry them through the streets to the places of power calling. Why? Why? If the people inside our work could speak, they would tell us that if witness alone could change the world, the world would be changed by now. And we would have no need to learn that this picture of that girl is not beautiful. <laughs> Todd? Do we have Todd in the bucket of doom? Yeah, yeah, come on up here with a bucket of doom. It's time to, time to get some open micers. Oh, I have the bucket, I stole the bucket. Okay. Oh speaking of me stealing things If I've borrowed anything from you In the next couple of year, in the last couple of years Chances are it's in a box on that back table So you know rummage through there Because I think there's like some tall leather boots And a book on art and a book on dyslexia And some David Gray CDs There's like all sorts of shit back there Never trust a librarian with their shit Because
4: we steal it for a couple years at a time But then they archive it
1: we do. It's all, it's all cataloged now. It's got little spine labels on it, but you can finally get it back.
4: Okay, our first poet up tonight will be Sharon. And after that, Charlie.
1: Yay! Sharon and Charlie!
5: Okay, this is a poem I had to write. And my only regret in writing it is that The woman that I wrote it to and about, or whatever, probably will never hear it. It goes like this. Can you imagine dying knowing that you're denying your deaf ears to your child's crying, caused its mental demise, complex upon complex behind a normalcy disguise? Imagine one you were to nourish and to cherish, to mold and to shape, mend every nick and scrape, feeling confused and trapped with no chance of escape because they came to you, told you what was going on, and you were too sick or too selfish or both to see what should be done through. There is your child looking almost ashamed, dull eyed, meek and mild, telling you of arms that should hold him, attached to hands that have touched him in a way he knows they're not supposed to. And all you can do is think of you, lonely, pathetic, selfish, codependent you, whose biggest fear is being alone. So you considered keeping the Chester fuck around until what? Your boy is grown? You feeble little flakes make me sick, staying with a molesting prick, because you just can't live without the dick. Don't you see you're ruining your kids? Don't you care? Can't you see the the change behind your child's scare I just want to slap you make you come to maybe then you'd see who's really feeling lonely dreading their own homes dreading daddy or stepdaddy or mr. living boyfriend your own child who's gonna end up resenting you too in the end because it was you who had the power to stop this to grant your child's bleak wish before their little heart got so tarred it won't ever be able to untwist and you sick little bitch you didn't thank you
6: There's a bakery where they bake upside-down cake. And the people come out backwards from the bakery where they bake upside-down cake. And the people come out lighter than they were when they went in. And the preacher on the sidewalk screams of sin. with a baby up, side, down, okay. <laughs> Oh, you like that song? Uh, Yeah, it's brand new. That was the debut. Down at the station, lots of trains arriving in the morning. Down at the station, lots of people saying goodbye at the station lots of trains arriving early in the morning down at the station lots of people saying goodbye some people want to go on back want to go on back to another track some people want to go on back lots of people saying goodbye down at the station Lots of trains arriving early in the morning. Down at the station, lots of people saying good want to go away, they want to go away to another day. Some people want to go away, lots of people saying goodbye. Down at the station, lots of trains arriving early in the morning. Down at the station, lots of people saying goodbye. Down at the station, lots of trains arriving the station. Lots of people saying goodbye. Thank you. Okay. Beer. Uh, Let's see. Oh, God. What would your mama say about the thing? that you've been doing. Oh, God, what would your mama say about the people you've been screwing? Because I know she taught you always I know she taught you better than that and by the way you're getting fat oh god what would your mama say about the things that you've been God, what would your mama say about the people you
1: don't have to juggle everything I can just like like be his little hostess and hold a bucket of doom for him I really like this two <laughs> host thing. why didn't we think <laughs> of this a year ago
4: Dun-n-n-n. can I make a little m- announcement I'm losing Carrie right after I got her <laughs> so I have a new host uh, co-host my new co-host will be none other than the magnificent Nate Dennison.
1: sweet yay
4: <laughs> next up to the stage will be Janet followed by Dawn
7: Okay,
8: let's see. I want to read some Jane Kenyon. Uh, I've got three I think I want to read. Um, Otherwise. I got out of bed on two strong legs. It might have been otherwise. I ate cereal, sweet milk, ripe, flawless peach. It might have been otherwise. I took the dog uphill to the birch wood. All morning, I did the work I love. At noon, I lay down with my mate. It might have been otherwise. We ate dinner together at the table with silver candlesticks. It might have been otherwise. I slept in a bed in a room with paintings on the walls and planned another day just like this day but one day I know it will be otherwise. Eating the Cookies. The cousin from Maine, knowing about her diverticulitis, left out the nuts. So the cookies weren't entirely to my taste, but they were good enough. Yes, good enough. Each time I emptied a drawer or shelf, I permitted myself to eat one. I cleared the closet of silk caftans that slipped easily from clattering hangers. And from the bureau, I took her nightgowns and sweaters, final documents neatly censured in long gray envelopes and the hairnets and peppermints she'd tucked among lucite frames abounding with great-grandchildren solemn in their Christmas finery. Finally, the drawers were empty, the bags full, and the largest cookie, which I had saved for last, lay solitary in the tin with a nimbus of crumbs around it. There would be no more parcels from Portland. I took it up and sniffed it and before eating it, pressed it against my forehead because it seemed like the next thing to do. Happiness, this is my favorite, Jane Kenyon. There's just no accounting for happiness or the way it turns up like a prodigal who comes back to the dust at your feet, having squandered a fortune far away and how can you not forgive you make a feast in honor of what was lost and take from its place the finest garment which you saved for an occasion you could not imagine and you weep night and day to know that you were not abandoned that happiness saved its most extreme form for you alone now happiness is the uncle you never knew about who flies a single-engine plane onto the grassy landing strip, hitchhikes into town, and inquires at every door until he finds you asleep mid-afternoon, as you so often are during your unmerciful hours of your despair. It comes to the monk in his cell. It comes to the woman sleeping the street with a birch broom. To the child whose mother has passed out from drink. It comes to the lover to the dog chewing a sock, to the pusher, to the basket maker, and to the clerk stacking cans of carrots in the night. It even comes to the boulder in the perpetual shade of pine barrens, to rain falling on the open sea, to the wine glass weary of holding wine. Thanks.
2: That's not my name. Um, I'm gonna be Jennifer today. All right, this is relatively kind of sort of new, maybe sort of. <coughs> it's easy to imagine you half a world away, my today, your yesterday, my tomorrow, your Today I woke up wondering if I had lived or only dreamed these moments that have left fingerprints in the dust covering the framed memories that sit on the mantle of my imagination. While I, entranced in smoke rings, try to envision the future of you and I have been living to survive. This reality testing the limits my endurance. My hands are raw from grasping, tired from hanging on. This time I will not let go. This time... I am asking for a miracle. This time, I want to tell you I love you, but words are fragile, easily broken and forgotten, shattered tatters of now is the moment yesterday was waiting for. When my lips kissed sadness and offered salvation, we wrote our names into the script of eternity and fell like a star for a hundred other lovers. The mystery is how we live and love and carry on through these struggles that tempt us to lie down. It's easier to stay in bed and listen to the raindrops drip on the windowpane of our silence than to dress in the darkness of our grief and rise to meet the challenge of today. I am praying for the strength to stand and fight these battles against concession. While compromise beckons me to take the easy way out, the paved road of least intentions is a love song we deny ourselves. The chance we refuse to take when we find, upon returning home, the eviction notice of our hopes pinned to the door of the closest we ever came. The puddle of our tears collecting and rising, I touch a fingertip to the surface. Reverse, uh, reverse. Ah, oh, damn. Uh, creating ripples in the reflection, reversing our perception until the abundant possibilities burst astounding in the Milky Way of our heart's vision, and you and I are crying for all the beauty in struggle, the chances and coincidences that point us forward while we are glancing backwards, attempting to rewrite our remembering. Give me a moment I can taste, and we will never go hungry, for I will print these instants on my lips so that every kiss satisfies the desire that longing leaves when wishes are prayers left unanswered.
1: That little lady, by the way, is going to be co- featuring next week with Mama Maria McRae from Chicago, and talk about two incredible, powerful women sharing one stage. Good God, you have to be here! It's going to be an estrogen explosion next week, Woo. and and she's doing this feature because it's like this big send off because she's like going to New York to be on HBO doing her poetry thing. That's just like Superstar.
4: so.
9: Superstar. Cool.
4: We love Don.
1: Oh, I love it when a man gets down on his knees for me. Especially with a bedpan. Okay, we have got, these are the last two people in the open mic. We have an empty bedpan. And look at that. It's like 9.30. So after that, it's going to be feature time. All right. So let us hear it for Rose and Tracy wrapping up the open mic for us.
7: I wrote this today, and I'm usually really nervous, but I'm gonna try and not be nervous, so. When the pressures of the world become too much, a subwoofer sound violation overrides conversation, gives this evening a heading and a drunken subsection. In this mind, time slides in and out, different tongues, same mouth, but the baby stroller's full, beer bottles and a backpack, Moved my feet, thought your problems were a baby, felt empathy, nicotine, donation, just maybe, your shadows falling over the bodies that hold up this building. Orange cloud ceiling might start falling, ashes in your hair rendering you to a volcanic poverty victim in this breeze of misfortune. Do you accept it or ask, really, what is this? Just chipped concrete with cigarette butt garnishes. Stutter step pushers always walk this as they wait for solace in repeating broken sunsets, have the pressures of the world become too much.
10: nice to see people here again um, We didn't uh, we didn't cancel the show last week but it got called off for lack of attendance. Um, we've been here. We come here like for four years now to celebrate our own cleverness and our ability to weave words together in ways that touch people's hearts and minds and last week, Well, our hearts were broken and our minds were stunned, and I'm so glad that you're all here tonight to uh, share your poetry and your thoughts with us. Thanks. I got a new poem. New poem, not memorized. The things I know about my father, I can hear them in the things my granddad never told me. How do you know who your daddy is? Because your mama told you so. My father's father died before I was born. They say he was a loud, stubborn man and hard to get along with. I think I would have liked him. I keep an imaginary list in my head of the things that he might have said to me, the things that pass for wit and wisdom when you spent your life a widower tilling earth and rearing kids. I think he might have told me things like, it's a fool who spits in the wind, boy. And, you know, it's better to have a skunk inside your tent pissing out than outside pissing in. Or perhaps something a little bit more poetic like, never push the river, but don't pull your punches. I don't know if he ever said any of those things or anything like them, but I think I would have liked him nonetheless. The only trouble with loud, stubborn men I've noticed is their tendency to raise silent families My father, as near as I can tell, is the quietest of 12 stoic monks. I learned from him stillness and how to pick things up along the way. Most of what I know of him comes mostly from my mother, half-remembered mythologies that she would share when she had one too many whiskeys after work. He used to raise a lot of hell, she'd say, probably wishing he were home to raise a little with her. He used to ship ore on the freighters on the locks before he was drafted. He went to Germany, where his brother was killed in World War II, and he served in the same platoon as Elvis Presley. And while the army taught the king to drink and dope the habits that would someday kill him, my father laid his guitar down and never picked it up again. She told me once that in 68, he was everybody's Christmas hero when it snowed six feet in two days and being out of work and pretty plowed, he plowed out the whole neighborhood with a bulldozer he hotwired off a local construction site. Once, when I was down because love had left me, she told me, things don't always work out the way you want them to, She told me, you know, he asked another girl to marry him before I came along, but she eloped with someone else and years later killed herself. The things I've picked up along the way, the things I've learned from my father, I can hear them and the things my granddad never said, how do you know who your daddy is? Because your mama told you so. These things I've picked up along the way, like sacrifice and stillness, came somehow out of silence from the men I wanted to love but never be like, living lives impossible that they never wanted for me.
4: Okay, we lied. We did. We're awful. There's one more open mic.
1: You can slap our hands if you want.
4: Or whatever else you want. (laughs) Um, But then we'll be taking a break afterwards. And you should drink more beer. And we have merchandise, things to buy. Mr. Dwyer, did you bring merchandise? I did not bring (sighs) any. Just my ass. All right. Well. (laughs) So uh, the next open mic poet is Dan Stevens.
3: Tracy mentioned that I do this. There's war out there in the world somewhere. There's fire in the sky. And I'm going to try to retire in my prime just in time before the cancer sets in. See, there's commercials to see, pearls of value and wisdom. There's sitcoms to sit through. You never have to think, never need to blink about it, dream like an American, shout it out through microphones of truth. Being relative, it's easy. There's time to be sleazy and time to be bold. There's gated communities with reasonable tax codes and decent well water. There's fluoride and chlorine and red ripe tomatoes. There's antibiotics and antibiotics and antibiotics and antibiotics. And And there's at least one more chance to slap a question mark at the end of a declarative. There's green, green grass and corncob pipes. There's Coors and Duncan, and Pop Rocks and mood rings and melodies. There's long, lean legs and fingertips that soothe the sullen surface of my soul. There's sports cars and innuendos racing around with reckless abandon. There's hands and feet and pinky toes that know tenderness. There's blue skies to ascend towards and UV rays that surround us and penetrate us. There's forces at work and mysterious sightings. There's lightning and thunder and wonderful silence. And all through the maze of the haziest days, there is passion. There's a process by which an artist can be cleansed. Through messages and coincidences and stars that never lie, there's eclipses and rainbows and Aurora Bore, L.S. Daydreams, there's trees to sit beneath. And mountains to dream of climbing, there's mimes and jockeys posing for pictures, there's bull whips and cock bites and rhubarb pie, there's details and circumstances with subtle strings attached, there's consequences looming, tiny resurrections, there's a thousand voices calling with a million new solutions to a half a dozen problems that will never disappear because there's poverty everywhere, there's lust and there is greed. There's corporations and politicians juxtaposing ethics and profits. There's polygraph examinations, DNA and fingerprinting, barcodes and power stations, PCP and revelations of love. There's static on these airwaves, and I have not even begun to listen close enough. Because Grandpa didn't have the words to say what in my heart I still know there's love to be made in the world out there. There's fire in her eyes, and I'm going to try to retire in my prime just in time before the cancer sets in. I got one more. A brand spanking new, I wrote it this afternoon. I found myself hiding in shadows, denying the truth. Walking six city sidewalks, looking down to avoid the cracks and steadily breaking my own back, trying not to break yours. There's something sacred I've been searching for, something I've been missing, and you're the answer I've concocted because I couldn't ask the question. When I was eight, I asked my mother, how can you believe in a God you cannot touch or see? And as much as I wanted to believe her reply, faith was not enough. And my rough, calloused fingertips are proof I'm finally ready for a solid stream of answers And yes, I was that angel trapped inside the wishing well And yes, the cries were mine And yes, your eyes were reminders But the taste and the texture of that desire was the fire I could not control the soul of my stagnation The truth manifests itself when the cries become songs And the lies are almost gone And I can still smell your compassion I can still feel your grace I can still touch your glowing skin and I can still see your beautiful face, but only when I raise my gaze from these six city streets will I find the faith to dismiss the cracks and challenge myself to walk past the fear of falling through them. And now, things are over again. Things are new. Things are troubling, comforting, and strange, and you have grown up again. Your wings, your companion, you have spread your passion like seeds of hope in the garden of my soul. And these wild flowers have reminded me that the question is not how can I believe a God in a God that I cannot see, but why have I been so blind?
1: Now, aren't you glad that, that we lied and there really was Dan coming up? Because that was a really, really nice way to end the open mic. All right, you guys have five minutes and here's your assignments. They, are going, they have five minutes to do what, Todd? Drink beer. Okay. They have five minutes to. Buy stuff. They have five minutes to. Smoke. They have five minutes to.
4: Talk to your neighbors.
1: And I'm looking for one more. Five minutes to. Use the potty. That's right, because we don't <laughs> want everybody running up and peeing while Jim's up on stage. So you got five <laughs> minutes. Go! And then come back for something really exciting.
4: Have fun. Go pee,
1: Jim. Because you're not It was at the Rust Belt Regionals last year down in Dayton. And, and he also awesome. he also got the I, we weren't at Rust Belt this year, but at last year he got the friendliest poet award. And, you know, he just is. He just yeah, he's rocks. like one of the nicest
4: people you ever meet. He is. After and after uh, he reads, he's going to hug every single person in the bar. <laughs> he told me that.
1: <laughs> All right. So okay. without further ado. I think we gave the people who were smoking enough time to stop smoking. Come and back in. Like that. Yes. Come because in. You do not want to miss a single foot stomp and second of this.
4: I'm talking to you.
1: All right. You. Without further ado, let's hear it. For Jim, Jim, Dwyer! Jim
4: Dwyer!
11: There's people in Kalamazoo, Michigan who want to hear my fucking poetry. Something's going on. Something's going on. Anyway. Thank you for letting me come up here. <laughs> anyway. Whew. The bus stop by the laundromat. A Dream of Beauty, an old blues song about an innocent man in Joliet Prison, the back row that leads out of town. That time I kicked the bells down the altar steps during the funeral mass. Jesus Christ, I don't know who I am. Can you tell me the word written on the underside of my eyelids? I can't see it. Please, you be the judge. I'll be the witness. That's how they do it in France, isn't it? Trust me, I can't be trusted. A dream of beauty, a rosary, a baseball glove, a motorcycle boot, a blue and white Cadillac with cold chrome tits, the mask of Zorro, the Puccini aria, and how it makes dying seem so beautiful. If the problem isn't you, there's no solution. If the world isn't real, then why am I bleeding? The bus stop by the laundromat, the laundromat, the dirty dog, why no, I used to talk baseball with. They're all gone now, and my time is coming soon. A dream of beauty, the off-white curtain stained yellow with cigarette smoke, the magic smile of some goddamn woman I can't forget. It's true, it's true. Those railroad men really do drink up your blood like wine, a small but overwhelming wish like a nickel on the sidewalk that you're afraid to need. If you really want some trouble, just ask yourself what it is you really want. A dream of beauty. A closet full of boxes, boxes full of pictures, pictures full of people, people full of poses, poses full of that most heartbreaking human desire, the desire to look natural. A dream of beauty standing in line, waiting to get into the line that gets you into the waiting room. If this civil war ever ends, I swear I'll never be untrue to you again. Hypnotized and demoralized by science and industry, the Catholic boy falls down in the middle of the century. He's blind. He's not a believer. He's an escapee from the burn unit. He's getting just what he prayed for, a chance to suffer and sing about it. A dream of beauty... The murmur of the river at night, the stars, the barking of solitary dogs in the distance, the occasional bursts of small arms fire, the inability to reach a conclusion or even to discover a satisfactory formulation of the nature of the problem, the same man riding his red bicycle past the library at the same time every day, the universe with its dust, the special pleading, the prayer wheel junkies, the collaboration required the shootouts, the shouts of leave me alone, the crying of sleepwalkers, the stacks of books, the stacks of books, the stacks of books, the climbing, the kneeling, the divining, the diary entries, the intransigent anguish, the invisible passing of time, a dream of beauty, the silver stars, the streets that are like soldiers holding their hands up to surrender, the trees in the park, the past with its armies and its iron wheels, its stairways with their crumbling steps, the music revolutions on the radio, the golden hits, the one-shot wonders, the drive-by shootings, the murmur of the river at night, the universe in its dust, the dancing, the masters of the telecaster, the curse you can't shake, the forgiveness you need, and now and then give the wind in the trees, the wind on your skin, the coming, the coming, the coming again, the breathing, the the bitter sweetness of every ba- breath the breath the breathing the breaking of the waves yes. <laughs> thank you beautiful junk The sky looks broken. 16 drunk beer bottles smashed against the wall of St. Anthony's Church. 16 drunk beer bottles shattered on the tennis court at Sandalwood Park. And the wrecking ball got the train station in all four of the RKO theaters downtown. And most nights, my dad just sits there. chain smoking kents and reading National Geographics. It looks like the real part of his life is over. And there's lots of guys who should just shut the fuck up. But most of us don't. Most of us think, most of us know, we were born to be heroes. Most of us wind up missing in action. Tangled like plastic grocery bags in the razor wire, last seen outside of Quezon, lost in the wilds of LA. Blasted past all understanding, blue Malibu coop, wrapped around a telephone pole on Riverside Drive, a shout, a prayer, a curse in the middle of the night, a riddle. Whether you solve it or not, the talons of the hawk always draw blood. And I'm hanging out with my friends in the abandoned lot behind the empty furniture warehouse. It's a world that burns your fingers when you touch it, but you must, you will, you have absolutely no choice. And right now, most everything feels like a joke to us. Most everything feels like a joke, but there's this rag doll. I can see it. It's lying there amidst the soggy piles of cardboard boxes, amidst the empty dented cans of peaches and beans, amidst the ashes of old campfires, amidst the used rubbers and the discarded mattress stained with blood and common piss. It's lying there under a tangle of white plastic coat hangers. It's lying there. It looks wasted as some glue head. It lies lying there. It comes apart in my hand when I try to pick it up. And Danny Pitchock's high on crank, and he's spouting all this book of revelations shit, all this manic rant about the angel of fire, the angel of death, with seven heads and seven tongues like swords made of mirror glass. And it's awful and too terrible to be aware of, but he can't help what he knows. And what he knows is that we're all going to die. We're all going to drown in gore and doom and horror. sorry, he's sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry he ever got so high, and he wishes he had it all to do all over again. But fuck me in the eye, Danny. Who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that sweet dream to come true. But it never does, never. And then Jane asked me for a cigarette. She's standing in the sunlight next to a pile of rotting Life magazines. Jane is the coolest smoker hell. She's the coolest person around. She's the female James Dean. She's Billy Holiday on the left bank. She's telling me that I am her favorite, and for today I am, and that I can kiss her, and I do, and that she'll call me tomorrow, but she won't, but I don't mind being fooled. I don't mind being fooled by her at all. Besides, if she wasn't such a liar, her kisses wouldn't taste so fine.
9: <laughs> and I don't know why I know that's true.
11: I just do. And sometime after it gets dark, sometime after there's absolutely nothing left to get into, I make it back home. and everyone's there, when I get there, still, there's no one around but my brother Steve. He's upstairs in our room listening to the radio. W-I-N-G, the rock and roll station. We listen to it all night long. and Even in our sleep, we listen to it. We learn from it. We live inside it. We love it. We can't get enough all that beautiful junk. We can't get enough all that beautiful junk, all that joy that feels exactly like sorrow. Happiness, it comes sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. I was listening to new Bob Dylan album on the way up. I'm an old fucker. I still call them albums. And there's a line in one of those songs. He says, <laughs> he says, Had my back against the wall so long, feel like I'm stuck. Break my heart, baby, one more time, just for luck. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bob. And it made me happy. I don't know if poetry changes a goddamn thing, but we gotta keep doing it anyway, you know? We gotta keep using language to make connections with each other and not about ideology, sloganeering, not about drawing lines between people. We gotta keep trying to do that no matter what the fuck happens. That's my sermon for tonight. This is called Mozart. Look, let's clear something up. Heroes do not come rolling home weary but enlightened after facing 12 terrible trials after undergoing 64 or five so archetypal and suitably purifying ordeals. Heroes have more pressing, less edifying, less aesthetically satisfying matters at hand. Heroes are in a jam. They have no choice, no voice, no idea, no plan. Heroes are dogs, the gods dog around. Heroes must learn how to fall in love with whatever it is that's got them surrounded. And painted on the side of the semi, there's a giant lipstick red tomato, six carrots, two heads of lettuce, and an eggplant as purple as Prince's love-sexy imagination. Fresh from the sun to you, reads the promise, rumbling 80 miles an hour down I-75. Fresh from the sun to you, its ideology as cosmology. It's like the entire vast interconnected web of nature and culture has been spun for no other reason than to stock the endless salad bar at the local Wendy's where you and the boys and girls from the software firm meet for lunch on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's like everybody from the farmer to the wholesaler to the trucker to the produce clerk at Kroger's, everyone woke up this morning with nothing but you and your satisfaction on their minds, and they did. They do. You, after all, are the mark we shoot for. The target we aim to hit. The creation we strive to create. We are all, after all, all, we are all, after all, is said and done. The ones who make and take and buy and sell and eat and shit this shit. We are all, after all, more terrible and more beautiful than we can possibly know. And mostly because you didn't ask and just because it's the kind of asshole I am, here's some unsolicited advice. Don't do the right thing just because it's right or the wrong thing just because it's wrong. When you get to Rome, and one day you will, genuflect a a few times and then move on. If you just sacked and burned the ancient and fabled city of Troy, don't let your sweet-talking spouse draw you a bath. No matter how much you think you deserve the conquering hero treatment, don't ever do that. Don't take shit from anyone. Don't take candy or advice from strangers unless the candy costs more than you could ever afford to lose, unless the advice advises you to put on the Godfather's gold lame cape and suffer, suffer, suffer while you dance. And I remember Otis Redding singing, That's how strong my love is. I remember the wind blowing the snow horizontal. The skanky little bar in Youngstown. Your breath warm and sweet on my neck as we sway together. Your sweat smells like sweat. Your life, my life, so what, so fine. The bartender can't believe he's not Gary Cooper. If you kill me now, I swear I'll come back and haunt you until you are brave and happy and just bitter enough to get by in this bittersweet world. And no one huffs glue because they want to. And I have 13,000 facial hairs, and that seems like the correct amount to me. And lying by the side of the road is the crushed and bloody carcass of a once golden Labrador retriever. It can't, it must, it can't, it must, it can't, it must, it can't, it must, it can't, it must be necessary. Necessary like poisonous spiders, like viruses, like slugs, like colon cancer, like stepchildren who scream at you. You can't tell me what to do, asshole. You're not my father. Neither of us were ever cool enough to be cool. You and me, we were born to be hot. We've been hot for centuries. We've been hot since before they burned Giordano Bruno at the stake. Since before Athens and Sparta destroyed each other. Since before Job took took such an undeserved ass-whipping from Jehovah. You and me, we were born to be hot and cold and stunned and strung out and running with and from the devil. And fuck it, I'm tired of apologizing. I'm tired of explaining. I'm tired of the mind-body problem, Plato's cave, the categorical imperative. I'm tired of these dreams that wake you up because in the end, I agree with Mozart. Mozart had it going on. Mozart said it best, looking up and laughing from his early and magnificently impoverished grave. Mozart said, what'd you come to the dance for if you didn't want a fucking boogie? (laughs) I saw at the uh, Nationals this year, I saw Dan and Dawn do this like, it was like, it made me come in the audience. It was so sexy, this fucking poem they did together. And it was like, and it got like sevens. And I was just like, what the fuck? There's no justice. It was so good. Well, this is a love poem. This is called The Lost Courtney Love Love Poem. Suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. They hand you a bag full of broken glass and they say, this is your life, put it back together, motherfucker. (laughs) Suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. Oh no, everyone's a robot. Oh no, these vegetables have a hidden agenda. Oh no, once you hit that lucky strike, even once you're never the same again. Suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. Lying in the sunlight, the blind yellow dog sniffs. Twitches, lifts his head. He knows I'm around here somewhere. His body, like mine, remembers everything. His body, like mine, attracts flies. Suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. The first time I tasted a woman's cum, I thought I'd discovered the source of the Nile. My tongue realized it had a secret identity. My bones finally understood that they were, in fact, connected to each other, and my blood started singing, Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, Gloria. And then I started thinking, "Hmm, oh, I wonder what else they lied to me about. <laughs> suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. At the bus stop, it's Tuesday, and trust me, ain't no one around here praying for transcendence. At the bus stop, the needs are more basic, more naked. A ride, a drink, a couple bucks, a look, a touch. Don't fucking do that. Hey, what time is it? Hey, please, please listen to my stories. Please listen to my lies. Suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. The little girl next door has drawn a blue chalk giant on the sidewalk. It's got purple devil horns. It's wearing a green cape, and it's holding a wild red guitar that really does look like an ax. Who's that, I ask? I'm not sure. Mommy says it looks like Dad, but I don't care what she says. I like him anyway. Suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. That line about everyone's a robot, I was wrong. Everyone's free to do whatever they choose. Oh, no. I've never had my nuts caressed by Courtney Love, and it looks like now it's not going to happen at once. Dick and I were wandering around in New York City, and somehow we wound up at the spot where John Lennon was shot and killed. John was gone. But the city rolled on, suffering and death, suffering and death, suffering and death. My neighborhood isn't safe. It's full of cops. My neighborhood isn't safe. It's full of culture. My neighborhood isn't safe. It's full of poets. My neighborhood isn't safe. It's full of neighbors. It's for the flesh, and blood, and bone, and rubber, and metal, and plastic, and garbage, and gardens, and fences, and alleys, and curses, and perfect nonsense, and picture windows, and shattered glass everywhere, shattered glass everywhere, go ahead, pick it up, fit it together, make something whole and perfect from it if you must, but I say it's better to let it lie there. I say see if you can love it that way, see if you can love what is broken and beyond repair. I'm 51 years old, and I can't believe I still get to get away with this shit. I mean, uh, my, uh, my grandbaby, whose name is Zoe, Zoe, she's four and a half, and she likes every bit of who the fuck she is, and she's a little copper baby, you know. I don't understand this thing biracial. What the fuck does that mean? Man, I don't understand it. She's so beautiful. <laughs> it's like nature really doesn't nature just wants us all to fuck whoever we can fuck, you know, doesn't care. Like no don't fuck that person. Anyway. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about here. You see those people from Brazil? You know, in Brazil, they're like, everybody's fucking everybody in Brazil. And man, they're beautiful, aren't they? It's like, something wrong here. This is the religious part of the program, as you probably could tell. This is called Seven Joints About Jesus. I love Jesus. I love the human Jesus. The other one, the divine son, the resurrected eternal God who can never suffer or change or choose or lose ever again, who gives a rat's ass about him? I love the human Jesus, angry, exasperated, overjoyed, on the road, looking for answers and adventure, healing what he could, hating what he couldn't, eating bread, drinking wine, hanging out with his friends, doing time with the boozers and the hookers and the con men and the agitated and the uncool, raising some hell off and on with the rich and the virtuous and the Roman, posing riddles, telling stories, playing his hunches, betting the long shot, taking the big risk, making it all up as he went along. Listen, when the last bad deal goes down, don't blink more than your death. They want you to break. Fuck them. Tell them you're the king so you can die like a man. Of course what they did to you was intolerable. Of course it should never have happened and yeah, if you let them, they'll do it some more to somebody else. Forgiveness, it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable but resentment is fatal and boring and revenge like heroin is not only passe but impossible to get your fill of. It's ridiculous, isn't it? The gods do not exist but even if they did, only human beings can forgive. The bass note vibration of the rush hour traffic, the slapping of the windshield wipers, the big trucks blowing past me like the end of the world. I am dying. The play, however, is forever. Forever and always about escape and capture, condemnation and transformation. Always about dreams and the names we give them. Always about the sentences and periods and silence. Jesus stands at the bottom of the entrance ramp holding a handmade sign, Amarillo, please. Please. I drive past. I try not to make eye contact. I don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. I am not the man I wish I was. When Jesus finally got his driver's license, the first time he had the car at night alone, he drove out Rip Rap Road to the gravel pit. He wanted to sit and think. He drank a quart of Pabst. He smoked a half pack of Viceroy's. He saw three falling stars. He listened for the secret messages. He heard nothing. He went back home. He was eight minutes late. His old man gave him the look, but not the lecture. His room was like a cave, the moonlight, the blade of a sword on his pillow. He smiled. He couldn't help it. He fit inside these shadows. He felt the crazy violence, the perfect rhythm of his pulse. He smiled. He couldn't help it. Somewhere inside my cells, exiled and silenced like Pasternak, hiding but holding out like Joe Hill, somewhere in there there must be a man, a man who can live and die and disappear, a man for whom the earth is enough. Jesus can't fight his way out of a paper bag. Jesus leaves the lights on in the basement all the time. Jesus drowned in the sea of love centuries ago. Jesus can't stop smoking. Jesus knows the idea of free will is absurd, but he believes in it anyway. Jesus once played bass for Bessie Smith. Jesus makes a mean bowl of chili. He doesn't have to, but Jesus prefers to live in sleeping rooms. Jesus hates the designated hitter rule. Jesus can't understand Hegel either. There is no hell. There is no hell, but if there was, Jesus would send every last Aryan Nation, Ku Klux Klansman, Nazi scumbag motherfucker straight into its 999th circle and feel fucking great about it. Jesus is not who he seems to be. Jesus once made me a tape of his favorite songs. Here is Jesus' hit list. Cypress Avenue, Van Morrison. What a Little Moonlight Can Do, Billie Holiday. Visions of Johanna, Bob Dylan, Every Time We Say Goodbye, Ella Fitzgerald, Too Much Monkey Business, Chuck Berry, Basin Street Blues, Louis Armstrong, Sweet Thing, Chaka Khan. <laughs> Preaching Blues, Robert Johnson, Atlantic City, Bruce Springsteen, Rockaway Beach, The Ramones, Naima, John Coltrane, Heat Wave, Martha and the Vandellas, Surfing Bird, The Trash Men, Rock Steady, Aretha, Why Can't He Be You, Patsy Cline. Born to be together, the Ronettes. He stopped loving her today, George Jones. Little red Corvette, Prince Anne. Thank you for letting me be myself again. Sly in the family stone. Do I have to say it out loud? Do I have to say it out loud? It was the greatest tape anybody's ever made for me. I love Jesus. I love the human Jesus. When I see him on the street, we always stop and talk. He doesn't kick if sometimes I hog the conversation. He knows I've got a lot on my mind. He knows who I am. He knows all about the ego, insecurity, the look at me, look at me, look at me, ain't I important shit? He knows, and he lets me go on and on and on and on and on. But once in a while, he does put me in check. He brings me up short. Hey, he says, why don't you just shut the fuck up? Just shut the fuck up and listen one time, will you? When I do, all he ever does is look me in the eye and laugh. That's it. He just looks me in the eye and laughs. It's some kind of Zen thing, I guess. And then he usually says something like, I keep trying to figure out just how I wound up with an asshole like you for a best friend. Just lucky, I guess. No, no, I wasn't lucky, he says. I think I must have chosen you. I don't have a clue as to why, but, but I'm almost certain that that's what I did. Well, I say, you're the son of God. You must know best. Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Hey, listen. You got a cigarette? Oh, come on, Jesus. You know I quit. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. Well, hey, listen. I got to go. I got to go work some miracles. You know, Savior's work is never done and all that. But, but, but Sunday, come on over. Come on over Sunday. I, I got the DVD of Buena Vista Social Club. It's a really cool movie. It's great. Let's, let's watch it together. And uh, Okay, sure. Great. I'll be there. And then he disappears, like everything else, into the traffic. And I can't remember in this story... If the world ever really changes, I don't think it does. Friendship isn't enough to even things up, to stop the grinding of the poor, the slaughter of the innocents. It isn't enough, but it it isn't, but it isn't, it isn't enough. But I still love Jesus and I'm pretty sure that he loves me and neither of us can help ourselves. We both still love and hate and love the world just the way it is. This is called homage to Little Anthony and the Imperials. Or homage. as <laughs> like, if you're from Dayton, Ohio, you cannot say the word homage. You know, you could just, you just shot for it, you know. <clears throat> the first record I, I ever, first like 45, one of the first 45s I ever bought was. A a record by Little Anthony and the Imperials called "Going Out of My Head," and the reason I bought it, I'd heard it on the radio, and I was like 14, and it like it felt exactly how my, I didn't you know I'd never been in love or anything like that, but it felt exactly like my little crazed needy 14-year-old heart felt, because it just like was about that. It was just about naked need. Homage to little Anthony and the Imperials. Delivering Domino's pizzas in the rain on Saturday night in Southwest Ohio, it's easy to understand why the Buddha said all life is pain. And you can't even begin to imagine how much I love you. I know that you can't because I can't begin to imagine it either. When the freight train thunders its way through downtown Dayton, the storm for a moment is silenced. I smile. It's impossible and dangerous to believe what you see and hear. It's impossible and dangerous if you don't believe. It's impossible and dangerous to be alive at all. And then a fireball of lightning explodes across the night sky. And that's right. I remember now. We create each other using chaos and desire. That's right. I'm writing this thing the same goddamn way I would if we lived forever. And Riverside Drive might be the center of the universe, but I still don't know where I am. The old Novas and the new Chryslers crash through the standing water, sending a giant plume of spray arcing into the air like the back of a Halloween cat. The splash almost shatters my windshield, and for an instant I'm blind, but I'm mostly blind most of the time anyway, even on a sunny day, so what the fuck? So listen up, honey, darling, baby, sweetheart, whatever the hell your name is, listen. The thing I like about death is how sincere and down-to-earth it is. It reminds me of the house on Helena Street and of drinking beer with Earl next door and his story about the Korean War, the one where he didn't die. Man, I'm telling you, man, it was like a miracle, man. And then he spent the rest of his life feeling guilty and wishing that he had... And each penny of the 72 cents in my pocket costs at least 16,000 breaths to produce. And at last count, I have 222 ideas about how the world should really be a fictional but fully operational family curse and just enough courage to realize what a coward I am. And they're playing Little Anthony and the Imperials on solid gold soul. Going out of my head over you out of my head And I'll never be as mad or as miserable, as free or as sure of things as I was at 15 ever again. But the rain is the same. The rain is always the same. And I open the front door, and the astounding gray light of the thunderstorm fills the room. She looks up from her book and almost smiles. God damn it, I wish I was better at love. That was cool. Yeah. All right. That's the way that felt. So I wrote this poem on Nationals. And I wrote this poem for Lucy from Chicago. Some of you know her. And uh, and I wrote it because I watched Lucy do a poem one night, and I, f- I just, like, fell in love like fucking... 15 years old again, man. It was the coolest thing. And I was just so grateful that she made me feel that way. So, this is called For Lucy. Lucy wears a red dress and when she smiles, it's like nothing hurts and everything's free. Lucy wears a red dress and when she hugs you and holds you close, you feel how real your body really is. Lucy wears a red dress and she writes like a warrior. She walks and talks like she means it. She is alive and now you are too. Everything human falls short, draws blood, breaks down. Everything human leaves a scar. Cruelty comes so easily. Everything human leaves a scar. We've all of us given and gotten our share. Gods and goddesses, fuck them all. When Lucy takes the stage and turns it into a miracle play, a man like me trembles. A man like me trembles. And I say amen to these impure thoughts. (laughs) Amen to the shiver, the quiver, the shimmy, the shake to the hard-on, both female and male. Amen to the soft, dark places and the wet. Amen to danger and surrender. Amen to whatever's erect, aroused, amazing, alone. Amen to licking and sucking and tickling and tingling and taking chances and finding pleasure in play in theirs and right theirs that were never there at all until this human, all too human touch insisted on it. Amen to the beauty. Amen to the beast. Amen to the apple. Amen to the snake. Amen to whatever it takes to bring all of us here and now and once and forever and glorious and tragic and magical and murderous and gone. And Lucy wears a red dress and she smiles like Jesus saying yes to suffering and death. She smiles even though she knows the end must always come. Hell, the end is already here. The body is never prepared to feel how much it hurts to leave, how much it wants to stay. One day, the rain comes through the roof. One day, all secrets are revealed. All nightmares come true. There is no God, but there is joy. There is. And there's enough to go around, and it does set you free, just not forever and ever and ever and ever. The endings never end. Amen. have that one. I'll try to do new shit, you know. Yeah, that's what I try to do. Okay. The Shining Path, number 35. 6.30 a.m. heading due west, taking an easy on the S-curves of this southeast Ohio two-lane. No sense pushing it. I'm 51, not 25. I'll get where I'm going soon enough. 6.30 a.m. heading due west, the last of a full moon disappearing behind the hills in front of me, the first of an early April sun just now catching fire in my rearview mirror. You get what you get. What you don't is often what you wanted most. Let us search for God, said the philosopher. Let us search for God so as to never find him. 6.30 a.m. heading due west, a couple buzzards up already circling, searching, I guess because it's the early bird gets to the corpse before the worms do. When it's your turn, eat your fill, but leave some for the guy in line behind you, and never forget, you're next. 6.30 a.m., heading due west, I slip the spinner's greatest hits into the tape deck and sing along. God damn, I sound good when I'm working with the right band. Of course, I sound even better when I listen. 6.30 a.m., heading due west, you're probably wondering at this point why time isn't ticking along, too. It's a fair question. That's a tough question, I'm not sure if I have an answer. All I know is that sometimes I have this power. Sometimes, like Joshua, I can stop the sun. Imagination is a toy gun that can kill, an invisible God who can heal. But only now and and again, and anyone who tells you they know how or why, or that they can control where or when, well, that son of a bitch is not your friend. 6.30 a.m., heading due west. Alone, red-winged blackbird lands without fanfare or a shock on the top of a single cornstalk. I am not necessary. And though I hate to say it or believe it, neither are you, my brilliant, beautiful friend. Neither are you. Beginning, middle, end, these are the dreams we need to stagger our way through space and time, but only we need them. Loss becomes joy, joy becomes loss. Bone becomes seed, becomes blood, becomes stone. I stop for coffee and chill a coffee and call you on the phone. Hi, guess I'm not available. Leave me a message. I I
3: try to show you something beautiful, something about all all of us. you arrogant son of a
6: bitch.
11: You think you're the only writer that can give me that Barton Fink feeling?
9: I got 20 writers under contract I can ask for a think type thing from!